0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. My name is Jessica. I am your co-host. I'm here with my lovely other co-host, Laurie Wallace. Hey, hey. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, like so much. So much has happened since the last time we were here, Laurie.
1: It, so much has happened. <laughs> it goes at warp speed. Like I know. I don't even know where the time went.
0: Yeah, I don't know where the time went either. But Speaking of time, we know your time is very valuable. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you could, please take a moment to rate and review us. Our show here is legitimately growing. So much. So it's really much. exciting. So we need all the five-star reviews, preferably. We like those. Um, share us on all your social media pages. Instagram at the Badass Ladies Club, Um, Facebook, Badass Ladies, one word club. Um, Most of our information is on those pages.
1: And the website is like getting a giant facelift right now. It's not quite done, but you can always go to www.badassladiesclub.com and check out the latest.
0: Right on. Okay, so today we're kind of, uh, this is an interesting one. We're talking about lies.
1: All the lies. All the lies. No, we don't really try and come up with these super intense, dark (laughs) subjects and topics. But like for real, when you get into um, like personal growth and development and really taking a look at the things that you're creating for your life, you cannot ignore the amount of lies that come up. Yeah. In your own experience, in your experience with other people, like why we lie and how we lie and how we justify lying Mm -hmm. is a big part of a healing journey.
0: Whether that's to others or to ourselves and what that's all rooted in and coming from.
1: Let's get into it. Let's
0: get into it. So where do you want to start with...
1: I mean, you know what I think of any time that somebody brings up lies immediately is I think about Amanda Francis screaming lies from the devil. That's what I think <laughs> about. And what she's talking about is like when you tell yourself stories of why you can't have something mm. or why something won't work for you or yeah. the excuses about how you're not enough or that things don't work that way and that those things are lies. That you've absorbed and taken on, and you've created them as truth in your experience and in your system. And so then you build this whole experience around something that was never true in the first place. Like, I'll never make as much money as my parents. Lies, lies, like such a lie. Or um, girls like me don't get to grow up and, you know, like be happy and have the family and do that, you know, like fucking lies. lies. All of it, lies. And so one thing that had me really inspired about this topic was just talking about the things that we've always believed to be true that were never true. Right. And that somewhere you have to decide, like everything is just what you decide it is, you know? And well, and that your um
0: like your brain doesn't know the difference. No. Like So you have to make a decision as to what that experience is going to
1: be. Right. And And that's what it's going to be. Since you're such a powerful creator, why wouldn't you make it something that served you versus something that like slowed you down or belittled you or kept you from being your best self, you know? And so sometimes, like, let's just break it right down. Some of the first lies that you ever absorb are lies that were told to you by either your parents, caregivers, family, school teachers to keep you safe. Right. You know, because you were young and weren't able to decipher that you were going to be hurt or injured or not set up for the right way in life unless you've lived by this lie. Or there's like the white lies like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny that super mess you up from the beginning where you are believing in this magical source Mm -hmm. that turns out to not even be true. And so I think that In my own experience, there are just so many lies that I grew up either knowing that they were a lie, like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, which made me very distrusting of all magical things,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. or a lie that was told to me to protect me, that I didn't really need that protection in the first place. And that wasn't my damage, but I carried it with me and it became a reality or a truth in my experience. So I think a good place to start is like lies that were told for protection or truly, like, where does that stop be- before it becomes manipulation? Oh,
0: that's so hard. It really is. as a
1: parent, like, I lie to my kid. Yeah, a lot. Totally. What do you lie to her about?
0: Well, oh, God. I don't know. A lot of things, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, it's just really interesting because she... Um, She's six and a half and hasn't lost any teeth yet, but she's like dying to lose some teeth. Okay. And so off the bat, like asked me, is the tooth fairy real? And I said, well, what do you think? And she said, no. Mm. And I was like, why do you think that? She said, because fairies aren't real. Not that like the tooth fairy isn't real, but like fairies aren't real. And I was like, you know, I thought, oh, well, there goes a little bit of magic, you know, and. That if you wanted it to be real, it's sort of real. I mean, but you know, I just oh, I couldn't. I was I was like, well, it's whatever you believe. And then, which is true. Right. It I don't wanna That wasn't a lie. Right. But um then she asked me about Santa and I mm. didn't I didn't
1: have the guts. Oh, so you lied about Santa? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's six and a half.
0: It's still so young. And Adelaide's Dude, I- so bad at keeping secrets. I can't have her going to school and telling everybody that. Girl,
1: I was just about to come from the other side of that and say she's way too old and smart. Like, she's going to figure it out. I know, but. She's not that young. She's so <laughs> smart. And some kid at school is going to tell her that Santa Claus isn't real. And <laughs> then she's going to have, yeah, the investigation. Oh, it's coming. I
0: know. It is coming. It's coming. But I'm not even, I mean, the.
1: Santa Claus, Mr. Right, but we're talking about She's like fairy. deeper things. Like I get, you know, like you preserve the magic for your kids yes. for as long as you can. But how about like I'm trying to think of a lie that I grew up with that when I got older. Okay, really good example is that you have to work hard for money. Biggest lie of my lifetime. <laughs> it's just not freaking true. Yeah, it's not. Yeah but I have always been told that. I've always had that emulated for me by example. I chose jobs and mentors that reinforced that in me. It was always a lie. It might have been other people's experience and that's fine, you know, but that's not the truth. But I held that as true and it became true for me. Until I realized that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to like unpack unpack that and live by this new truth that I have. That money comes to me easily and frequently when I'm being my authentic, my authentic self. Like that that's true. And that's true for me. And that's been my experience. But I've got 40 years of Mm. another experience that I am trying to unload right now. And so this is the kind of lie or, you know, like good girls don't reveal too much skin that you're inviting attention that you don't want fucking lie. Okay. Like manipulative, nasty lie from the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. But I still live by that. I still get weirded out when I have too much cleavage. Or Whatever wearing. you look fucking hot. I when know, you but every time, off. how many times have I asked you? Is this too much boob? Like I don't know. And it's how weird. many times have I been like, show it off? And every time right. you're like, no, it's great. <laughs> or like, um, I bought one of those skirts that have like the shorts underneath them, mm. and I'm obsessed with it. And It's the most comfortable thing ever, and I want to wear it every day. But they're short, and they're Did shorter. You get that hilarious Yes, I've got two. <gasps> um, I'm obsessed. I want one. Yes, you do. Everybody wants one. <laughs> um, it's like toddler clothes for adults. It's the best thing ever. I but, love it. But they're really a lot shorter mm-hmm. than anything that I would normally wear, but I kind of like it. And it's and even Aubrey was like, "I love this." And it's really short. I was like, "Is it too short?" He was like, "No, oh. it's perfect." <laughs> like, you know. And so it's just so funny that like even though I don't believe that lie, it still it's influences so in my behavior, yeah. you know? And I'm having to work really hard to get out of it. So where do these gentle lies that we're using in childhood to help support kids where when does that shift to manipulation because that's really on and I guess I will start with all of this. I'm working in a four decade range where things are really different in 22 than they were when I was born in 78. Yeah. Okay? Things change a lot and yeah. And so I want to leave room and space for the fact that like, as a society, things look different today and that maybe, but I still think that girls and women are taught that what you wear is somehow inviting attention that you may or may not want.
0: Yeah. So that well, hasn't in, changed. Um, I wouldn't say this is a lie that I tell my kid, but like. Even Adelaide will point it out. Um, for example, Jonathan Van Ness. Mm-hmm. She, I think I was watching Queer Eye maybe, and she caught a little glimpse of it. And she asked, why is that boy talking like that? Mm-hmm. Why is that boy wearing a dress? Why is that boy? And I just said, well, boys can wear dresses. Sure. She said, really? Yeah. And I was like, really? Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking like, who taught you? But then I thought, well, she goes to a school where they wear uniforms and boys wear, wear skirts pants and, and shorts right. or pants and shorts and girls wear the skirts and the jumpers. And, mm-hmm. you know, so like, I guess that's kind of my fault, but you know, like, so like she sees it every day. I never told her that right. I never said boys only wear these things, but like, it's part of this social conditioning. Right. And she's, she may have heard that from somebody at school. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Um,
1: and she is into Harry Styles, isn't she? She is into Harry Styles. You need Styles. to show her some of Harry's outfits. Um he's totally about it. You know what I love about that conversation though is like all she needs is just for you to point out to her that that's okay. Yeah. And that maybe it's not as common, which is why she hasn't seen as much of it, but like now that she's being exposed to it and knows that it's a thing, like it just becomes more a part of her mm-hmm. reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other lies. Well, so like lies that we were taught in youth that we've kind of carried into adulthood, I think is one big part of like the lying conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, we also talked a little bit about like withholding the truth. Yeah. Like lying by omission. Yeah. Like I'm just not going to tell you the whole circumstance of this and that that is also lying. Yes. And, I mean, for me,
0: that's so much rooted in shame. Yeah. That shame is, like, such a big thing and such a big emotion that, like, you're doing it either to protect yourself or to protect somebody else. So it's like your intentions are good, Mm -hmm. but you still don't feel good about lying. I mean, at least, I mean, I never do. Some people may not have a problem with it, but... um, That shame carries such a heavy weight in that conversation.
1: And that a lot of times there's a really like justified reason that you're doing that. That's not justified. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's so funny. I really wasn't planning on talking about this. But like the one thing that comes up for me hardcore about lying for omission is... um, forfeiting my job pretty much because I wasn't willing to lie about the fact that I was on my way out the door. Yeah. You know, and that I was put in a position where I wasn't supposed to say anything, you know, and that that to me felt really not okay. You know, like I wasn't going to lie about what it was that I was doing, the fact that I was moving on to other things and that not being honest about it and lying by omission meant that I was manipulating the rest of the team into thinking that things were status quo and that wasn't the case and that I couldn't do that and that it uh, tore up some relationships that I had because I wasn't willing to lie Mm -hmm. for the quote-unquote good of the company, you know? Yeah. And to that company's credit, I had done lots of lying by omission before that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that, that was kind of the turning point for me where I was like, I'm not willing to be manipulative for the good of anything, but definitely for a company anymore, um, that I would rather be truthful and authentic. And if that means that things fall apart, then that means things fall apart, you know? And I see this thing on social media. I've been seeing it for years now, you know, where it's like, if the truth burns down, A a social construct, a company, a relationship, a marriage, whatever it is, then let let the motherfucker burn. burn, You know, like that if telling the truth is what's going to make something fall apart, it needs to fall apart. It's time, you know, and that that is a revolutionary concept anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's just not worth protecting if it means that you have to lie about it.
0: Well, and that, um, which I guess this is sort of, on topic but like the me too movement for decades upon decades upon decades women and some men but mostly women you know had to uh kind of omit this part of their work experience mm-hmm. that like particularly bosses or other people in their departments or peers or whatever were being abusive. And that like, it was, it wasn't until someone said, no, let it burn. Yeah. So if that means that these people get in trouble, it means these people get in trouble. If it means this company goes down in the hole and doesn't exist anymore and all these people lose their jobs, like that's what it means. That's what it means. And, um, I mean, obviously that's very serious allegations and, you know, I believe that women or victims in general need to be believed and that they should be um, investigated for sure, just to make sure everything is in line with what that accusation is, but that if that's what that means and that's what that means. means and that's something that, um, women are still, grappling with like and me too was like in 2017 yeah i
1: was about to say we're just scratching the surface where that's yeah um because in my personal estimation me too took off too fast it got too much attention too quickly it was too much of a groundswell that it started to damage its own progression you know because shit got real extreme um and that Had an impact, you know, Mm -hmm. like in the immediate. Oh, yeah. But also, five years later, there are a lot of things that are back to normal, (laughs) you know, like where did it really have the impact it could have? And that this is a really good example of how, in the moment, yeah, we get wrapped up in this truth telling and this letting it burn, but without some type of like sustained fundamental change in the way that things are the way that corporate America operates, the way that HR operates in these companies, the support that's given to actually follow through on some of these allegations, like you said, as far as research and these kinds of things are concerned, it just doesn't have legs to hold itself long-term, you know, because the people in power that are taking advantage of the people not in power, like not a lot has changed with that dynamic. Uh, Um, So yeah, I think Me Too was a great step in the right direction but much like reproductive rights, has <laughs> kind of already slid back to where it was to begin with, maybe a touch better. Yeah. But not by much. You know, like, I don't see a lot of men or women in high-powered positions that are checking their behavior because of Me Too anymore. I just don't think that's the thing, um, And that lying, especially at work, is it's like a non-issue, you know, like you lie to your employees and employees lie to each other to get a leg up on one another. Like that in a, any type of business structure, this transparency conversation, which I've always loved so much, like open book management, open book leadership is always what I was idealized taught where you're just like really transparent with your team. Yeah. And you tell them the truth of the way things are good, bad or ugly, you know, and that that is not it's not true. It's totally not true. It's <laughs> a lie. Like, you know, at least in our experience, that was not the, the case. people I've learned that from are some of the biggest liars Ooh, I know. Like yeah. that, and so and this is not this truly is not a judgment on how people are operating in the world. I'm gonna venture a guess and say it's just the way that all of us have been conditioned to behave and survive in this really intense world that we live in right now. So it's not like I'm saying liars are bad, even though, yeah, like I'm not a fan of lying. I'm saying we all do to survive what
0: we had to do. Right.
1: Especially at work. And that when you start to separate yourself from that and try to not live in that sphere, in that realm where lying is just the way it has to be. It A, isolates you from a lot of nasty fucking liars. And it means that you operate and see the world differently all of a sudden, you know? And you understand how much of an illusion all well, of these things are. And I believe we've talked about this
0: on the podcast before, but that um, that interview that you and I watched with Martha Beck mm-hmm. um, about- oh God, she's so good. I know. Um, what did she call it? The year of, I don't know, authenticity yeah. or, you know, it was yeah. something like that. Like we're, she lived in integrity for like a year. Her
1: integrity cleanse. That's Her what it integrity was. cleanse.
0: Was, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I believe we've talked about it on the um, podcast before, oh, yeah. but just as a reminder, if you guys did not hear that episode, Martha Beck, who's fucking brilliant. And if you read all her books aren't familiar with her she's so great she's the best um was brought up in the Mormon faith and one day was like oh hey I don't believe that anymore and oh hey I'm gay by the way I know hey all these other things about me um that like she lived her life lying to herself and to others for so long that she did this integrity cleanse which she actually ended up saying in the interview, P.S. Don't recommend. I don't
1: recommend. It. <laughs> like, <laughs> it'll turn your whole fucking life upside down. <laughs> and yeah. Um, she was Go like, slow. Go slow. <laughs> Maybe not
0: do it the way I did it. But it was like so, like, funny the way that she explained it. But um, the way she did explain it, it was so intriguing and so terrifying. Yeah. That I was like, I don't know if I have the integrity to do that for yeah. a year.
1: I didn't do Much it. Much less a lifetime. Yeah. I wasn't as extreme as Martha was, but like I cleaned up a lot of stuff in a short window of time as far as that was concerned. And I remember how hard it was. Like I could call out the lie. I could see where it was that I wasn't being real. But then I didn't know what the truth was. Gotcha. You know, like, and so that is such a weird place to be, to be like, oh my God, the way that I've always looked at all of this is not the way I want to look at it. But what do I want to replace that with? Because there's just not a lot of examples of truly authentic integrity truth out there, you know? like, um, And if there are, that's the other really sad thing about it. Like, if you find something, someone that you look up to where that's concerned and you're like, oh, this is my sage. This is my guru. Like, this person has it figured out. You can wait 10 minutes and something's going to come up that shows you that that's not, that that was an illusion To you know? Like, that all humans are flawed. flawed. And that the only thing that you can hold true to is what's coming up out of you, you know? Like, that that becomes your truth, which brings us to, like, the most critical part of lies is lying to yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because, yeah, I mean, like, you can lie to your kids or lie to other people or whatever, you know? But, like, how often, how many times a day do I lie to myself? Like, a lot. (laughs) And sometimes they're, like, things that seem inconsequential. Yeah. You know, like, um, maybe I shouldn't have so much sugar. Like, I'm going to stop eating sugar. Like, this is the—but that's a lie. Like,
0: or I don't have to wash my hair today. Right. Jessica, you haven't washed your hair in over a week.
1: Yeah. Wash your hair It's time to wash your hair. (laughs) So it can be like loose things like that. Um, But it can also be things like, um, I know for me, because I'm like so self-paced with like work and things that need to get done that my lies a lot of times become about how much I'm like quote unquote doing versus like how much maybe I wasn't doing and then I have to do everything in one day instead of over five days you know and so my narrative becomes how busy I am when in reality it could be a lot more spread out like that and it's just my experience of the one day that I have to do all the shit that was really busy you know Mm -hmm. and that I know that that has more to do with uh, discipline and scheduling and structure but the lie is that I don't have enough time when I have more time than I've ever had in my life, you know, like to do anything. But that's what I tell myself in order to soothe this. I'm not doing enough. I put it off. And and it's okay that I did those things because I'm still getting them done. Like, who am I even lying to? I don't have a boss. Right. Like, it's, it's just so fascinating, like how often you give yourself the out with the lie. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, you and I were
0: just at Starbucks talking about my scheduling and how i'm i feel i really do I'm proud of myself. I feel like I've come so far You're doing it with unpacking and deconstructing this narrative that I have about work where I'm like, oh, well, I have the open time, so I'm just gonna fill it and book it, book it, book it, book it, book it, and make money, make money, make money, make money. And that that doesn't allow a whole lot of space to be open for badass ladies club. I'll just say it. Um, So that when things do come up and you're like, hey, can you come to this thing with me on whatever day? I'm like, oh, I'm booked. I'm booked. And every time you're like, I thought you only work XYZ <laughs> days. And I'm like, yeah, about that. Um, Well, I booked myself outside of that. You know
1: what I mean? Like that. It, the lie was that you worked too hard at the salon and that you couldn't take the time off. And now that you get to make your own schedule, <laughs> right. you still work too hard at the salon and can't take the time off. Like, right. yeah, totally. Um, that
0: it's just something that, I feel like I've improved upon. And in 2023, we have more room for improvement. Indeed. So,
1: I don't know, like lying to ourselves. Not keeping commitments to yourself, I think is, in my opinion, like the hardest form of lying to yourself. You know, that you say you're going to do something and you make this commitment to do it and then you don't live up to it. And then you're like, disappointed with yourself. You know mm-hmm. that I was going to do it and I didn't. And so often I feel like on this podcast we talk about like showing yourself grace. Yeah. And being easy on you and I know we both have a lot of history of just being super hard on ourselves, you know, and really harsh when we don't um live up to expectation or do the thing that we said we were going to do. And so I just want to be clear, like this is not about being harder or uglier on yourself when you are lying to yourself it's just noticing what it means to be really truthful about why things are or why things are not and one of my favorite examples is this like it's just not a priority right now
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like that that's the truth the truth is I'm not giving up sugar right now because it's not a priority yeah and if it was then I would you know and so saying that I don't have time or I don't want to like oh, the, the truth is it's just not a priority. And the same is true with scheduling in time, you know, right. like that if it was a priority, I'd make time for it. And if it's not, then I won't. And that that hits different when you're honest with yourself about why you're not doing the thing.
0: I feel so much better when I am just honest and I'm like, it's just not a priority.
1: Yeah. It's Period. okay. Yeah.
0: It's not a priority, you know, like that um, That doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad mom, a bad business partner. It just it's
1: just not a priority or it hasn't been. Right. And I want to make it a priority. So I'm going to make a different decision and, you know, like take different actions moving forward, which is all anybody can do anyway with any of this stuff. And that, you know, if we're talking about the example of me putting things off until I have to do everything in one day and I'm like, oh, my God. I can also circle back and be like, what are the things I did with the time? Mm -hmm. Because if what I did was lay out in the grass and watch the clouds, (laughs) like that's kind of what I'm here to do, you know, Mm -hmm. is like enjoy life and time. Or if I got to spend time with a friend or I got to, you know, like take a nap or whatever I did, like that your job is to experience life and enjoy it and it feel good and great, you know, and
0: well, and the other part of that, because, you know, we do talk about how we choose to spend our time a lot. And I, I always circle back, um, just because I have such a history with it, with like housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Right. So yes, I have a housekeeper and no, I don't feel bad about it because it frees me up and allows me to do a lot of other things with my time. However, The housekeeper's only there twice a month. I still have a lot of, like, keeping up and cleaning to do in between and in the meantime, right? So I'm sure, like, if most of you guys are on social media, you've probably seen this post. But I always, I swear, I have to, like, print this thing out because it was brilliant. But it was the dishwasher um, Mm. that... It was a story about how someone went to their therapist and they were just overwhelmed and they were telling their therapist, like, I I can't even do these simple things because, like, my dishes are stacked up and they're disgusting and there's science projects growing in my sink. And I'm so depressed and overwhelmed that, like, I can't even do the dishes, but my dishwasher's full. And that means that I have to, like, Put up the dishes to like make room in the dishwasher, and I just you know, and that the therapist was like, "So just run it again." Yeah. And that the patient was like,
1: "Wait, what? I can run my dishwasher twice." Yeah, and he's like,
0: "Yeah, so just run the dishwasher again, Mm -hmm. or pile more shit in there." Yeah. Who cares if half of it's clean and half of it's dirty? Run right it until again. it's all clean, like, right? Yeah. Like, and so the lie is like, oh, to be a good mom and a good wife and a good person, you pre-rinse and a all good the dishes, functioning and, member yeah. of society. That whenever a load of laundry is completely dry, I have to take it out so I can switch over. I'm like, no, I keep on adding it mm. until the dryer is like, I can't take anymore. <laughs> then I, you know what I mean, yeah. like. That we get to make our own rules of how these things Mm -hmm. work and that it may be a lie from society and it might be a lie to ourselves that, like, this is the way things have to be. It's all bullshit. It's not how it has to be. Run the dishwasher twice. Keep on adding to the dryer. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever that means, just make it work for you. Right.
1: This reminds me so much of, um, like, in finances and like budgeting things when I worked in jobs where I had like steady paychecks I had certain bills that came out with every paycheck and I had myself kind of set up on this situation where like all the bills auto-drafted right well when bills are set up on auto-draft they come out like a couple of days before the due date but truthfully like the bills do and then you usually have like two or three or four weeks before it's late you know yeah and so now that I get paid more sporadically, you know, and it's not such a consistent flow of money, I've been playing with this idea of like, maybe I take my bills off of auto pay and I just wait until they're due and then pay them as I can. Obviously still paying them before they're late, you know, but that not everything has to be set up on auto draft where there's always enough money there for everything to clear no matter what's going on in my world. Like I've lived like that for such a long time (laughs) that it just was in my brain that that's the way things needed to be. And it was literally like two weeks ago where I was like, Laurie, you don't have to do it that way. Like back in the day, you got a bill in the mail and then you paid it. Like things didn't just come out of your account. There was a time before online
0: banking. Right. And
1: all of this stuff, like it's not like you don't know how to do this, you know, and it was so freaking liberating. To take all of my bills off of autopay and be like, oh, look, it's due on the 12th. But they were taking it out on the 7th. So, and it's not late until the 31st. Like, (laughs) you were taking it out a whole month early, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't the point of having the money to pay the bill. It was just that there's so many ways to do that, you know? and, well, the, lie and the
0: cash flow is makes a big difference totally. on like how you can live
1: your life. Especially when you get paid not on a steady salary every two week paycheck like I was doing before, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, like it's changed my whole outlook on like how <laughs> things look financially. But that was like a self-imposed lie. Yeah. That things had to be that way. And that if I couldn't keep up with things like that, that somehow my finances were a wreck and I was a failure, you know, (laughs) like that those were also lies. None of that was ever true, you know, but I've struggled trying to maintain that flow of the way that bills operate. And it's just not necessary. Like, and so it's so interesting to me how little things like that make such a huge difference in the way that I look and feel about money and finances that Things get so much better when you quit holding to these lies that were never really true in the first place. And nobody taught me that, honestly. I had just come up with that whole system and I had operated like that for so many years that it became my reality when it was never actually true. Yeah. Weird. (laughs) Why do we do that? Humans are weird. (laughs) Like (laughs) myself included. Um, How else do we lie? Hmm. Um,
0: well, we talked about it a little bit with like manipulating young kids, but like when we lie to protect, like as adults, you know, um,
1: to protect loved ones and how, you know, I mean, not that I'm lying to my parents about anything, but I imagine that probably goes both ways when your parents start to get really old, (laughs) that, um, like I know, like when my grandparents got really old, there were certain things that were going on in the world that we just didn't talk about talk about because it was too upsetting for them, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like a lie by omission when they would ask you something about the president, and you'd be like, <laughs> "No, grandpa," like, but I totally knew, you know, <laughs> and I was about to get in that conversation. Um, so yeah, like I feel like, or protecting friends. Like, what if you saw your best friend's husband out at, to dinner with another hot lady? Like, mm, yeah, would you say something? Would you not say something? Are you getting involved in their marriage if you spill the beans? Are right. you, you know, like, um, are you protecting the cheater by not? Like, that there's so many things. Or are you talking about something that's none of your business? Because maybe they're work colleagues and you're judging her for right. what she's wearing, you know? Like, I don't know. It's, like how we come up with these stories and these dialogues in our head and then yeah, like withhold information from people. Yeah. It's complicated.
0: It is really, being an adult is complicated.
1: And it's nuanced being a human, how, is oh my God, yeah. Nuanced how we justify and explain things from our perspective because there are so many things that you might like, I could tell you what I would want is I would want to know that. But if somebody told me that and I knew who my husband was at dinner with and I'd be like, yeah. your point, you know? Yeah. Like, um, that that is, again, like still a story that we made up and that lying, I'm trying to think of a better example of lying to people to protect them. I'm trying to think if I ever lied to you to protect you for something like, <gasps> oh my God. Probably. We should talk about it on the podcast. (laughs)
0: um, You know, I don't know. But like, God, I'm sure back in our salon days, there was probably a lot of that.
1: Oh, I lied a lot in the salon days to protect the team. Yeah. Which, you know, you kind of delved into already. Like, maybe not. I mean, I'm just mean before. Like, if you go over my 20-something career, 20-something years in the career in the beauty industry working in salons like that. I mean, I, I didn't ever talk. I didn't think about it like lying. I was, was protecting. Well, it wasn't even that. I was really good at telling you whatever needed to be said to you in a way that it didn't sound offensive. So sometimes that was like if you were the problem child at the salon and you were causing a bunch of shit that I could sit down and we could talk about all the shit you were causing but I wouldn't make it sound like you were the one that was being the asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would color things in a certain way and I could say it that where it sounded really nice and neat. Like I was coming at this because I was on your side and I was looking out for you. When in reality, what I needed you to do was Stop. shape up or I'll fire you. <laughs> and, you know, like, and how could I manipulate this? Because it wasn't about the truth. It wasn't about the fact that I had to refund your last four haircuts. You know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't about the fact that you weren't working on your skill sets and you were spending too much time in the back room on your cell phone. Like those were the, that was the truth. The lies were what I did to motivate you to do what I needed you to do to get by, you know? And, and that, that is, was only reinforcing bad behavior and spending a bunch of time, investing time and energy in people that maybe didn't need the time and energy invested. Like if I was going to be real with them, I probably would have just fired them. Yeah. You know, and we would have moved on to somebody else that had their priorities more. And, you know, like, and so, and that's also not, I'm not suggesting that that would have been a better move. (laughs) That there is this conversation about compassion Mm -hmm. where I feel like I tried to come from that space so much, which is why I was trying to be gentle with people, you know? But in that being gentle so often, that meant that I was like supporting a narrative that was never really true in the first place. And I know that came up a lot with like um, talking about the awesome environments that we worked in and how great it is here <laughs> and how we're so happy and that this is yeah. such a great place to work and like all the things and that you do that because you want to recruit great people yeah. and build a strong, awesome team. And then when they come on, you have to maintain that facade until they are comfortable enough that they're not going to leave. Right. And then sometimes the truth can come out a little bit. And then it creates the, yeah, the dissent that eventually follows up in one way or the other, you know? Yes. So they always come back to haunt you, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, no matter how, but I would have never looked at that whole scenario and said that we were lying. Yeah. You know, like, but in reality, that's exactly what was going on, you know? And that that is clearly in today's estimation, not the way that I like to build teams, right? Because I've seen, you know, like how all of that works, but that that started at the top and trickled down, you know, and that sometimes if I had looked back on my career and decided that organizations I was with were not organizations I wanted to be associated with anymore because it didn't, meet my values or i felt like it wasn't 100% authentic or truthful i probably wouldn't have worked at any of those places for very long you know like but lied to myself because i needed a job an income uh you know like i needed my ego stroked i needed opportunities you know like that all of these things made it okay for me to turn away from the truth and be a part of the manipulation you know mm-hmm. which again is not a judgment like i feel like all of us live in that space at one time or the other for it.
0: We're definitely not alone in that, um, in that way of thinking, particularly with jobs. Mm-hmm. I think that COVID shifted that for a lot of people too.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. You want to know what the current biggest lie is? I hear probably three or four times a day, all over the place, every day, is how people don't want to work.
0: Yeah.
1: People just don't want to work anymore.
0: Lies. That's a fucking lie, you know? Um, so I was on an advisory board yesterday. Yes. Yes. Um, so I got invited on an advisory board for a local cosmetology school in the DFW area. And the point of this advisory board was to gather professionals from the industry and to kind of help this cosmetology school. And this is not rare, like cosmetology schools do this, but um, it's something that they do maybe once or twice a year and they invite professionals on and professionals are kind of like, hey, you know, it would be awesome is if you prepared your students this way for what the workforce is looking for these days. I would have loved... To have come into that advisory board and been like, hey, you know, what would be cool is like if you worked on shear positioning or body Mm -hmm. positioning or like all these really important things. Because when I was training people, I cannot tell you how much fucking time I wasted just doing those simple things that if they just learn them in school, like let's get to the haircuts, let's get Mm -hmm. to the color, let's, you know, get to the important stuff. But, you know. That we're busy teaching people how to hold,
1: how to hold shears. your shears and what to do with your coat. Uh,
0: yeah. So that's what I would have loved to have talked about. But this, a big portion, I'm not going to say all of it, but like most of the time was spent with this narrative. <laughs> these kids these days don't want to work. Just don't want to work. They don't.
1: They want to work less and make more. They
0: want to work less and make more. And I'm sitting here going, it's totally possible. Right.
1: What's wrong with that? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Let
0: me tell you my story. Um, no, but it, uh, it was so hard to just sit there and to not say that is not at all what's going on. People want A work-life balance. They want to be paid fairly for their work and they want to go home to their families. And someone on the advisory board even said, well, when I was working in the salon, we worked our fingers to the bone. There you
1: go. That's the issue. I'm like, and how did that work out for you? Right. I can see you're real happy with those results. Right. Like it just, oh
0: my God. It was so hard. And listen. I I don't envy people that work in cosmetology schools because cosmetology students and y'all, this is the truth. There are two kinds of kids that go to cosmetology school. (laughs) It's the kids who have dreamed of being hairdressers since they were little kids. And like, maybe they have hairdressers in their families and they know what it takes. Or there's the people who are just looking for a little direction and they're like, Oh, maybe I'll like this. You know what?
1: Yes. Yes. I think there's a type of kid that goes to cosmetology school right. for sure.
0: But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what kind of kid you are that goes to cosmetology school. People are built differently. I came out of the womb like ready to do hair, yeah, ready to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But and some people aren't, and that's okay. But
1: You're- if you go back to the cornerstone of why cosmetology school sucks so bad, because you left a big situation out there. Is that you're, well, it's a joke to begin with. It's a joke, like most, you know, training programs are yes. to put people into work. But aside from the joke, it's that the students are paying you to be there. Right. But you also are their instructor and they're supposed to respect and listen and follow through on things. But it's really hard to have authority with the people that are paying you. Right. Whereas in a salon, they work for you and you're paying them. So there's a little bit more of a authority, respect conversation going on. But yeah, as soon as I started teaching in cosmetology schools, I was like, what the what with these disrespectful little (laughs) pricks? Like, I will destroy you. (laughs) But I couldn't destroy them because they they were paying to be there. And if they don't, if they quit, then you lose the money and you have to give money back. Like, cosmetology schools wouldn't be in business. Right if they held cosmetology students to a certain code of behavior, some do like, I'm not, yeah. not like generalizing them, but I'm saying in general, the problem with cosmetology school students is that they're paying you and they're like, I don't fucking listen to you or do anything that you say to do. And all I need to do is show up and pass my test. So right. get out of my face. Cause I have other things to do and I'm going to play on my phone during your entire class today. You know, like yeah. that they just do not have any, they don't have to listen to you you're nothing to them. You don't even get to decide if they go to board. Right. They can go to board without you and pass and be horrendous to you for 10 months in the meantime. Like, And that, for me anyway, is why I was like, I'm out on this cosmetology school thing. Like, yeah. like, y'all can keep them. <laughs> um, but yeah, all of that to be said, like, talk about lies in the beauty business that you're, you learn in cosmetology school. That are perpetuated in the salons that you end up working in at a certain point. That for a lot of people like you, when they go into being business owners, have to unpack some of these things that you were always taught that just aren't true, you know? Yeah. Well, I was told in cosmetology school that,
0: heck yeah, you can make six figures. Which you can. You can. It's Nobody possible. tells you it how many years it takes to build a clientele to do that or what you have to charge and the hours you have to work. So, you know what I mean? Like there are two ways. There's a million ways to make a million ways to get there. Um, you know, but they made it sound like, yeah, off the bat, you can just leave here and make six figures. And it's like,
1: (laughs) but I also think that's true of all industries. Yeah. Like any industry you can make six figures. Like I could be, I could write books and make six figures. But I could also write books and go into bankruptcy like mm-hmm. that there's. Um, so that's true of all things and experience and time and, you know, working on your craft and all of these things are important. Slash what is there to like, I think partnership is really a big part of getting ahead in any business. Mm mm-hmm. And that you and I have been really fortunate for all of our horror stories that we've worked for businesses that have invested in us and that have allowed us opportunities to be able to, like, grow and develop. And that immediately puts you, for myself anyway, like, into a space of obligation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where then I feel really obligated to perform and produce these results and do all of these things. I'm saying if we're talking about like just lies in business in general and how manipulative that gets and how our realities are so colored by whatever community organization that we're in at the time, it's always a good idea, I feel like annually, to like get right with yourself and really look at like, what do I want for my career? Or if it's a relationship that, you know, you don't feel like is totally authentic or truthful. Like, what do I want for my relationship this year? Is this like in alignment with me personally? Are my motivations where they need to be? Because I think if I had done that more consistently in my own career, um, I would have been out 10 years ago. You know, like that it would have been a thing where if I was actually being honest with myself, I could have seen that the things that I was investing my time and energy in were not right for me. And that I was motivated by things like money and success and ego and what I looked at as opportunities, you know, that I wanted to have. And so it was okay to keep not being authentically Laurie because Mm -hmm. I wanted those things, you know, 1 million percent. And if I had been honest with myself, I could have kept working knowing that, you know, and been like, okay, so you're willing to not be authentic to what you're really about. So you can have these things like I would have gotten out a lot faster because it would have been harder for me to live with myself, you know, which is ultimately what the breaking point became where I was like, I will die if I have to get up one more day and play this stupid game, you know, like I can't do it anymore. And that having this consistent check-in with yourself, which you and I, you know, we were talking about breakfast this morning. We do a pretty good job, I feel like, with Badass Ladies Club, probably more than annually. I'd say probably every six months where we're like, okay, what are we about? Yeah. What are we even doing? What are we doing? What are we selling? What are we offering? Who's our audience? You know, like that. um, these consistent check-ins. And guess what, y'all? It changes. Always. Always. Yes. Changes. And it's so, um, like, that to me feels like such huge growth. No kidding. That we are allowing things to evolve and take shape and, like, be really honest about, like, is this a company or a hobby? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, and when times when it's more like a hobby, it's like, okay, so where do we need to direct things so it is more like a company, you know? And that that's a learning curve for a company that's, barely two years old, you know? Um, But I think it's because I, I hate to say i lost so many years. I didn't lose years, but like I did lose myself a lot in the last, I'll say easily seven or eight years that I spent in the salon business um, not being truthful with myself about where things are going. And so now I'm maybe a little bit hyper aware of that because I don't ever want that to be the case again, you know? Right. Yeah. And also about lying. Mm, I think we covered it. All right, then. Yes, we did. <laughs> Fifty-three minutes later. Yes. Um. So, I guess let's wrap with this conversation about like. I was thinking this morning I might like to keep in my planner or my journal or something like some kind of. Some kind of journal about how often I'm lying to me. Mm, Like a self-integrity check. Right, right. You know, not that I have to actively do anything about any of it, but just like, you know, when you do the thing where you write down all the stuff you eat and drink all day long and you're like, oh my God, yeah, I'm like eating all of this stuff, you know, like same thing. But just like how many white lies throughout the day do you tell yourself? Um, Just as an awareness mechanism, you know, and that it might be kind of cool to see which things come up repetitively. Well,
0: then you see what bleeds out into like what you're telling other people. Right. So it's like a quiet integrity cleanse. You don't have to
1: tell anybody. Like, you definitely don't have to podcast about it. Um, not everybody's like us. Uh, so yeah, we'll maybe play with that a little bit and see what comes up out of it. That'd be cool. You guys, uh, show yourself lots of grace and give yourself lots of love. And we super appreciate you spending your time with us here today. Have a great week. And we'll do this again next week.